remember one year we did a lot of outreaches around the holidays and we did something that we called Tree of Angels where we would partner with a lot of nonprofits and organizations and we'd give out thousands of gifts similar to what we did this year with the giving trees. And I had this thought one year, we had done this for a few years and I thought I want it to be kind of different and kind of special. So what if we could find a way that whenever someone takes a tag or a need, you know, whatever a kid wanted or whatever, you know, someone needed, that we would give them something in return so they could kind of remember and pray that year um, over what it was. So I had this idea of we'll give them an ornament and they can put it on their tree so they can think all, you know, all that holiday season to pray for whoever's need they had met, whoever that person was and whatever they were going through. And I thought it'll be this really cool thing for everyone to do. But when I started to look at our budget, I mean, we would do thousands of gifts and I thought we can't pay for thousands of ornaments. So this was my idea is we were going to make gingerbread ornaments. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever done that, like made gingerbread ornaments or gingerbread houses. So a couple of weeks before we were supposed to do all of this, I went home and I made a gingerbread man. I like baking and I'm pretty good at it. So I, I messed with the recipe and I made a gingerbread guy and I thought, okay, we can do this. The church had like a big industrial kitchen um, because there was a school there and everything. So I thought we can, we can make all of this happen. So I talked to our team. We had a few people that worked for me, and then we had some interns from the Bible college. There were about 10 or 15 of us, and I said, hey, on this day, we're going to make 1,000, and then we'll come back a few days later, we'll make another 1,000. I happened to be out that day. It was not on purpose, okay? So I said, you guys are going to do all of this. And I remember at about 6 o'clock that evening, so one of the people that worked for me, she called almost in tears, and she said, Pastor Aaron, we've been working for like six or seven hours at this point, we were supposed to have a thousand done and we have 70. And I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, what happened was is you made one, but you didn't think about making hundreds. So she said, we have gingerbread dough that is like concrete. No one can mix it. We can't get it to stir. We can't bake it in the oven. And so we added some more water to it to try to make it better. And then everything's liquidy and the gingerbread guys aren't holding up. They're like running, melting, look like zombies. And it was an absolute disaster. So that night, so no one would know, I went and we threw away hundreds of pounds of flour, hundreds, you know, like of pre-made dough that we were trying to make that day. And it was an utter disaster. I don't know if you've ever had something like that happen where you pictured this moment in your mind like, it's going to be so awesome. People are going to get these gingerbread ornaments and they're going to put them on their tree and they're going to be able to pray for the person. And it just all fell apart. And you've probably had moments like that in your life. Maybe not as comical as that or maybe not something kind of as light as that. But we all have those moments where it doesn't turn out like we thought it was going to turn out. And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks and we're going to talk about today. We're in week three of this series, Christmas at NCC. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. And we're looking at this story that all of us are so familiar with, that we've heard so many times, and we're looking for those that are in the story, those characters that are a part of this story, that were living this out in their lives. It was vastly different than they thought it was going to be. And how many times we face those similar situations in our lives. And I want you to just take a second and think about that. That moment in your life where something did not turn out like you pictured it. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was a plan. Maybe it was a relationship. It was something that you had this idea of and it turned out 
very different than what you thought it was going to be. And that's what we're talking about. We want to look at the lives of two individuals within this Christmas story, Mary and Joseph, and how they faced what their life was like, how it was different than they pictured or like they thought. How did they react? What, was, what do we see within their story? And then how does that encourage us or challenge us? And so we've done this every week, but in order to understand this, I want to take you back and have you reflect again. And our team did such an amazing job of Mary and Joseph in their lives, what they thought it was going to be like and how different it was. Because we see the Christmas story with the end of the story in mind, don't we? Like we, we know how it all kind of turned out. We, we kind of see it with that perspective. They're living on the front side of the Christmas story and just thinking about what it was like for them. So if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 18, and you can write some of these down. We're going to walk through a number of scriptures surrounding the Christmas story, and I want to encourage you to write them down. You can go back later and reflect on them more. Matthew 1.18 says this, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. That means they're engaged, okay? And before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law yet, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So now, once again, I want you to just take a second and just reflect on these two individuals within this story, Mary and Joseph, and what they thought their life was going to be like. Now, whether it was an arranged marriage, because that was very culturally kind of appropriate at the time, and that's how a lot of people came together, they probably had these pictures in their mind of what their life would be like. And then they find out as their story is unfolding that Mary is pregnant. And I don't know what you think of Joseph or how much we tend to spiritualize like these people in the Bible that they were somehow different. They were not, okay? And if you're in love with someone and that person comes to you and says, I'm pregnant, you've got some very real questions, don't you? And that's what they're facing in this situation. But I want you to think about it. It's not only kind of like, well, this is awkward for their relationship. Mary's life is in danger. Because if you caught that part, Joseph upheld the law. In the culture that they were living in, it wasn't just like a bump in your life plan if you got pregnant before you were married. It wasn't just like, oh man, we didn't plan this. Something happened. Something got messed up. Like this was, they had legal ramifications if people in the community found out that they were required by the law to stone you. So your family would come around you and kill you because of the sin that you had committed. Or legal representatives, the religious leaders, had the right to come around and to take your life, to end your life, because you had gotten pregnant outside of marriage. Now, we don't understand that because of the culture and the time that we live in, but you need to understand that would have been a very real fear inside of Mary's life, that her life could have been in danger because of the culture and the society that she lived in. So this was more than just, oh, people are going to think bad about me. This is my life and my baby's life now could be in danger because of what's going on and where I live at. And there's shame that goes with this because of the cultural stigma that's happening. A matter of fact, Jesus, all the way into his 30s, is still haunted by the way that he was conceived. There are these religious leaders well into his adult life that told him, you don't even know who your dad is, Jesus. You don't know. Like, none of us know. We know it's not Joseph, but we don't know who your dad is, and so you have no right 
to talk to us that way. Like, this is something that followed him all throughout his life. This is probably not how Joseph and Mary imagined that they would have their firstborn son. It's not what they were picturing. I started thinking about Joseph's life. And whenever Sarah and I had our first biological son, Josiah, um, he came about four weeks early. And I remember after Sarah had him and we had been in the hospital for a few days, I had to run home. I don't know if any of you guys have similar stories. And I'm putting together the crib in a few hours to get back because we did not have anything ready for Josiah to come home because he was four weeks early. And Joseph's a carpenter. So imagine somewhere in his mind he thought about the house that he would build for his family. This was his moment to shine, right? Like to build a structure, to build a crib, or to build a bassinet. Something, right, where their baby would be born in, where he could bring Mary home, and they could raise the family. And all of this was somewhat what he had in his mind. And when you look at his story, it's vastly different. They end up having to travel a great distance. They have their firstborn baby in a barn, and then they head off to Egypt after a little bit to run for their lives. This is not anything what he pictured like being a carpenter and building a home for his family would actually look like. See, life is not turning out for them like we think. We have all of this imagery in our mind, but just imagine. I remember whenever we were having kids, we'd always go to the hospital and tour the rooms. I don't know why, because you're only going to have a baby, like nothing else is going to happen there. But we went, we wanted to see what the hospital rooms look like, and Mary and Joseph end up in a barn. And that's where they're going to have their baby. And as much as the Christmas songs tell you it was quiet and it was serene, it was not, okay? I don't know if you've been around farm animals. I don't know if you know what's in a stinky barn, but it is poop, okay? And it was all over, goat, cow, or whatever else was in there. And they're eating hay, and they're in the literally the side kind of carved out of a hill. It was just a cave in the side of a hill. And that's where they're going to have their baby. And to add kind of insult to injury of what's going on is, if you reflect on this story, Joseph had family in Bethlehem, right? Caesar said, go back to your hometown, Go back to where your family is from. And Mary and Joseph can't stay with the relative because of the shame of what's going on. No family members are willing to take them in. They can't even get a hotel room, so they end up in a barn. This is very different. When you take all the beautiful kind of ornaments and decorations of Christmas off of it, this is very different than they imagined what their life would be like. Then they pictured their story unfolding when how they thought of how their family would grow. This looks very different than any of that. And I don't know if you've been in those type of moments in your life where your dreams start to fall apart or where you just start to question, God, what in the world are you doing? Like, why is this happening and what's taking place and why is this going on in my life? If you've had those kinds of moments, you understand where Mary and Joseph are at They're questioning a lot in their life because it does not look like what they thought it was going to look like. It was not what they expected their life to be like. That is part of the Christmas story. When life doesn't turn out like you thought it was going to, what do you do? 
And as I was reading through this this week and just reflecting over this, I want to highlight just a few things that we see within Mary and Joseph's story. What do they do when their dreams start to fall apart? What do they do when their plans don't turn out like they thought it was going to? And I want us to look at their life and then reflect on, are these things that can help us in those difficult moments in our life? The first thing that we see is this, is Joseph listens for God to speak. Whenever your life is not what you thought it was going to be, when it's not like you thought it was going to turn out, you need to listen for God to speak. You need to stop. Now, so many of us, my nature's like this, is I want to try to fix it when things go wrong. And then I want to take that to God and say, okay, look, this is what you need to do, or this is the plan, and I need you to execute this. This is what I need to happen. And Joseph, we see him willing to open up his life and listen for God to speak. He's just gotten this news that Mary is pregnant. And in Matthew 1.20, this is what it says, but after this, he began to consider these things, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph begins to open up his heart, begins to open up his ears to listen to the voice of God, to listen to what it is that God is saying. God is saying, hey, I'm a part of this plan. I'm in control of this, Joseph. This may not look like what you thought was going to happen, but I'm telling you, I am working behind the scenes. I have this under my control. And Joseph was willing to listen to what God says. Now, when I read this, and maybe you'll be honest enough to think this too, is I thought, that's super easy for Joseph, right? An angel appears. God, if you would just talk to me like that. When I'm facing a difficult decision or when things are hard in my life, if you would just show up with some kind of massive billboard or some kind of powerful sign or give me some dream or just, yeah, send an angel to tell me exactly what it is that I should do. But can I tell you this? That's not going to help us listen, you guys. It won't. Like we just struggle as people to listen to God. And Joseph's heart, his mind had to be open to what it was that God was going to say, or this really would not have affected it. We watch Christmas movies as a family. I don't know if any of you guys do. And one of my favorites is The Christmas Carol. Is anyone in the room? Some of you guys? Okay, a few of you guys know that. It's an old story that was written by, um, uh, I think, an English author, Charles Dickens, and it's been done in so many different ways. But in one of the versions that we watch, there's this great moment, and I think about it a lot, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by one of the spirits. Um, it, he gets this image or this vision of one of his partners that's deceased, and his name is Jacob Marley, this guy that's dead that appears to Ebenezer, and Ebenezer's like, humbug, I don't believe in you. And Jacob Marley says, wait, you can see me with your eyes. I'm standing in front of you. I'm a vision. And he says, I still don't believe in you. He says this, you could be a bit of bad beef. You could be a blot of mustard. You could be uh, indigestion from an undercooked potato. He says, there's probably more gravy than grave to you, Jacob Marley. And I think that captures the human condition so well. It doesn't matter what's standing in front of us. We will try to find an excuse to kind of brush it away. We'll try to find an excuse to make it up. No, God, that wasn't really you speaking to me. I just imagined that. It was just my mind thinking about that before I went to sleep, so I had this dream. Whatever the coincidence is, we will find a way to excuse it away if our hearts aren't willing to listen to God. And it would have been easy for Joseph to do that. 
yeah, this is extremely awkward. The girl that I'm engaged to is now pregnant, and my mind's just trying to make up an excuse, so I had this idea that an angel came to me. It would have been easy to do that. And it's easy to do that in our life, to not listen, to try to fix it on our own, to try to make the plans by ourselves. But when life throws you a curveball, when life is not what you expected, you need to stop. You need to pause like Joseph and pray, God, I need you to speak to me. I need your direction. I need your guidance, Lord. I need you to show me what it is that you want to happen here. And I want to tell you this. There are no billboard signs in Christianity. It just doesn't happen, you guys. Whatever it is, however God chooses to speak to you, it is going to take a step of faith on your side to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to listen. Yes, life may not have turned out like I thought it was going to. This may have not been how I'm picturing my life. But God, I am going to trust in whatever it is that you're telling me to do. And we see that in Matthew 1.24, just a few verses later. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to and he took Mary home as his wife. It's going to take that step of faith. When your life is crumbling apart and God begins to speak to say, okay, God, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why this is happening, but I am going to trust what it is that you've said. I'm going to take that step of faith, Lord, and I'm going to do what you've told me to do. That's what Joseph chooses to do. Now, let's get very practical with this this morning. Some of you are sitting there thinking, all of that sounds great. And yes, maybe I'm in a moment where my life is not like I thought or my life is not like I planned, but I've not gotten a vision from an angel and I don't hear the Lord speaking to me. So let me help you just in a few different ways this morning. You have the opportunity to hear God's voice. You do. 100%. Anyone in this world can hear the voice of God. One of the simplest ways that you do that is you open up the Bible and you read what he has said. And I hear people say that all the time. Well, I've never heard God speak to me. Yes, you have. You probably just haven't known it. It's through his word. That's the way that he speaks to us. And in one of the mentoring groups that I've been a part of, we've spent months just focusing on this one idea. God's word is not passive. It's not just something from 2,000 years ago where God was speaking to those people there. We believe that God's word is active. And that means when you open up the Bible, this week before you're rushing to work, when you open up or maybe on your phone you open up version or the Bible app and you read that, that is an active voice of God speaking into your life. We believe that the scriptures are different from any other book that are in existence because it is God shaping us and forming us through his word. This is his voice to your life and to my life. So whenever I'm facing a decision, God, I do not know what to do. I go to his word and I say, God, what is it that you want to say to me? How do you want to direct me? How do you want to guide me, Lord? What is it that you're speaking to my life? And I open up my heart and I pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to me because I want to listen. There have been so many times in my life where it has not turned out how I thought it was going to. But I continue to go back to God's word to say, Lord, what is it that you're telling me to do in this moment? I want to trust you. And church, you can hear God speak to you. You just open up the scriptures and you listen. That's what changes you. That's what shapes you. That's what forms you. You have the ability to hear God's voice just like Joseph did. Now, there are other ways that God speaks. There may be someone around you. God may use a close friend or someone that's near to you to encourage you, to challenge you. I remember at one point in our life, um, we had this ministry opportunities. We were student pastors. 
at a church, and we got called by what was considered the district headquarters of the state of Illinois. And for the network or the kind of connection of churches that we had, they said, Aaron, we want you to come to the district, and you'll be over all of the other youth pastors in the state of Illinois. And it didn't take long to think, man, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Um, a lot more pay than I was making, and it seemed like a lot more influence, like we'd be moving all across the state of Illinois. At that point, we were just in one kind of city, but we'd be all over the state helping churches, like growing youth groups, doing all of that. And so I was praying about it, and I just thought, this is a no-brainer. Like, this seems like a big promotion, and God's obviously doing this. But I picked up the phone, and I called my brother, because he's, he's always been such a great voice. And within about three minutes, he said, you shouldn't do this. He just asked me a few simple questions. Aaron, what are you passionate about? What is it that you love? And where do you see God directing and leading you as it's ministering to people? And he was dead on. I thought, I love the local church. It would kill me to have to be in different places every single Sunday and not to be around like a local body of believers. And as much as it seemed like a great promotion, I knew within a few minutes of talking to my brother, yeah, that's not God. I'm not supposed to take that opportunity. God, you're speaking to me that this is not the door to walk through. See, sometimes God will use people that are close to you. And it may not be a, hey, God gave me this message for you, or God's telling me to tell you this. Sometimes it's just them asking the right questions. And if your heart is open and you're listening, God begins to speak. God begins to direct. God begins to show you things that you had not seen before. And all of a sudden you're like, yes, it makes sense. It may have not been what I thought it was going to be, but God, I hear your voice through what you're doing in my life. You guys, we have to listen. You will have moments in your life where your life is falling apart and you're thinking, I don't know what direction to go. You're going to be like Joseph. God, I'm going to do this on my own. And God wants to speak to you. He wants to direct you. He wants to guide you. You just have to listen. I want to challenge you to do that. When your life is falling apart, you listen for what it is that God wants to say. The second thing is this. You listen to what God says about your identity. Look at Mary's life. In Luke chapter 1, Verse 26, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this was Mary's relative, God sent, an, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went up to her and said this, greetings, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. You are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Like, I thought of everything the angel could have said in that moment, and that's what he is going to start with. Mary, you need to know one thing before anything else that I'm about to tell you. You are favored of God, and God is with you. Now let me give you some really bad news. And, and that's where he's going to go here of, like, this is going to be difficult in your life, Mary. This is going to be really hard. Like, there's probably going to be some obstacles along the way because of what God's doing in your life. But I want you to know this to start off with. You are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Now, over the next few weeks and months, Mary probably had some real human emotions. Like, just stop for a second and think about what that would feel like in that culture, in that time. Probably the disgrace that I talked about earlier in the message of what that would be like to walk through that. The shame that she probably felt in moments. People did not believe her. You're trying to tell the story of an angel came to me and said that God did something miraculously and I'm pregnant now. 
and no one around you is believing you. Like all of those feelings in that moment. And what does she have to go back to? God, you've spoken some things over my life about who I am. God, you have said that I am favored. You have said that I am blessed, God. You have spoken some things over my life. So no matter what you're feeling in those moments where life begins to fall apart, you need to remember what it is that God has said about your identity, what it is that he has said about you. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking with my counselor, and we were kind of going through some things the past two years and some of the obstacles that I faced and difficulties and all of those things. And he stopped in the middle of our session and he just asked me this question. He said, I want you to spend a couple weeks reflecting on this. Is there a difference between the facts and the truth? Is there a difference between the facts and the truth? And I was like, "Uh, I don't have an answer to start off with. But I've been spending some time reflecting on that. It made me think about Mary and Joseph's story and what's going on in their life. There was difficulty that they were facing. Those are just simply the facts. And yet there was a truth that went beyond that, that God had spoken over their life. Let me break it down for you in your life. The facts may be this is the holiday season and finances may be tight. And your bank account may be lower than you expected or than you thought. But the truth is God is your provision. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to stay up at night stressing about a medical bill or something that was unexpected because God said this, I am your provider. You are my daughter. You are my son. I am going to take care of you. So although the facts of your bank account may be lower than you expected, the truth is he is provider. He's going to take care of you, church. The facts may be, yes, you got passed up for that promotion. Someone else who is a jerk at your job got the promotion, right? Or maybe in school students, maybe you didn't get first chair in choir or band, or maybe you made the B team and someone else made the A team. Those are the facts, but the truth is God says this, you are talented and you are gifted. That he has placed inside of you something that is unique, that is different from other people. And this is the thing, is there will be moments where your dreams get crushed and where your dreams don't turn out like you thought they were going to. And those may be some of the facts that you're surrounded with. But Mary starts to grab onto the truth. God, you said I am highly favored. You've spoken some things over me, my identity, and what it is that you've said over my life, God. So I am going to trust in what it is that you have said. And church, you need to, in those moments, begin to remind yourself, begin to tell yourself what it is that God has said in your life. In Luke 138, it says this, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. That's who I am. May your words be fulfilled in my life. And then the angel left her. There may be moments in your life where you have to declare it, where you don't feel it, church where you're feeling all these other things, right? There's these other things going on in your life and you need to just begin to speak out, God, there is a truth. There's something that you've said over me, God. I may feel alone, but you have said that I am loved, God. You have connected me with other people. God, I may feel like I'm worrying and I'm stressing, but God, you are gonna take care of it. You are the one that is in control. I am your son, I am your daughter, Lord. That's what you have spoken over me, God. I can trust in you. You need to remind yourself of what your identity is in Christ, of the things that God has said about you because sometimes the world around you, the facts around you, won't look like that. It doesn't mean you're ignoring the facts. 
Okay, this isn't some just kind of mindless self-help, like I can just convince myself that my situation isn't bad. No, you're facing real obstacles. They, Mary and Joseph were facing really difficult situations in the time that they were in, and yet she is able to say, God, I'm your servant. Lord, you have favored me. God, you have blessed me. Lord, there are some things that you have said over my life. I am going to trust you to fulfill your word. Not what my family says, not what other people are saying. God, I'm praying for your word to be fulfilled in my life. And you guys, we need to do that whenever life gets difficult. The last thing is this. You hold all of God's promises in your heart. You hold all of these things in your heart. As I was looking at Mary's story, I was just reflecting on, think of the craziness of the first part of Jesus' life, of his, his life being born. Both Mary and Joseph get visitations from angels at separate times, both kind of individually, and God says, hey, you're going to be parents to the Messiah, to my salvation, right? And then Jesus is born, and these shepherds come to the barn that they're in, and say, hey, these angels showed up and told us that God's salvation is here and that we could see him, like that we could come and visit him. And then if you keep reading, which a lot of us miss this part of the Christmas story, just a few days after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph go to the temple, and there are these um, older individuals that are there in the temple that come up and begin to say these things about Jesus. Like, I've been waiting all of my life, and now I'm content to die because I have seen God's salvation. Like, normally when you have a new baby and you walk up to someone that's older, what do they do? Can I pinch his cheeks? Can I pinch your cheeks? Right? Right? Or can I hold your baby? And you're like, please don't. Um, I don't know if you're sick. Or, you know, like all of those things. Like, those are the typical responses. Oh, he's so cute. She's so cute. Like, that's what you expect. And that's not what they're getting. They're getting, this is God's salvation. God's doing something in this moment. Like, this is unique from any other time. And Mary starts to store up all these things in her heart. In Luke 2.33, it says this, The child's father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And then you go further, a little bit further into Jesus' life, whenever he was a little bit older, in Luke 2.51, it says that his parents and him were going back to Nazareth, and Jesus was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And that line just stuck out to me. Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. And I just started thinking about the rest of Jesus' life. I know we're celebrating his birth at this time of the year, but I started thinking about all those other moments where Mary had to hold on to those promises. When Jesus' siblings said, we don't believe you're the Savior, you're just a phony and you're just a fake, Mary's holding on to God's promises in her heart. When the Pharisees come to Jesus and said, you're an illegitimate child, and you know what, you don't have any right to talk to people about religious things, Mary's holding all of these things in her heart. When she's watching her son being beaten and being crucified, and she's thinking, God, I thought this was your salvation, and this doesn't look like salvation. This looks like death. Mary is holding all of these things in her heart. Church, if you think being a Christian is the easy way to life, it is not. It's difficult. Matter of fact, Jesus promises us that if you come and follow me, you will have trouble. You will have obstacles. There will be rough times in your life. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. 
the Christmas story is that life will not be like you think it is. There will be difficulty. There will be moments where your life is hard. And yes, there will be moments where you even look up to the sky and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing right now. What's going on? You'll have those moments. And my prayer for you is that in those moments, you would stop and listen to a God who wants to be close to you and who wants to speak to you. When circumstances and situations are difficult, that you would not just look at the facts, but you would remember the truth of what God has said about your identity. And when life is hard, that you would hold on to the promises that God has spoken over you. Sometimes you may have to declare them in faith. God, I don't see it right now. It doesn't look like it's going to turn out. God, I don't know how this story ends, but God, I'm holding on to your promises. When relationships fall apart, God, I'm holding on to your promises that I am worthy to be loved, right? God, when finances are tight, I'm holding on to your promises that you're my provision, God. Lord, when someone else gets a promotion, God, I'm holding on to the promises that you have gifted me and that I have talents. Lord, you've given me purpose and meaning I am holding on to your promises that's what Mary and Joseph did and as we look at this Christmas story my prayer for you is that you could you're going to face difficulties in your life but that you would be able to respond like Mary and Joseph do in this story not that life was perfect for them or not that it was ideal but saying God I can trust you I can trust you when life is hard and I want to take a moment and pray for you. If you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Maybe you're here in this room. Maybe you're worshiping online. And you just happen to come across this video. I want to tell you it's not by accident. If you're here, it's not just because someone invited you or maybe made you come with them. It's because God wanted to remind you of this. This Christmas story is that life can be hard. Life can be difficult. And yet God has sent His Son. There is a Savior that's with us through those difficult moments that makes all the difference in our lives. And if you're here, maybe you realize that. Of, yeah, my life is hard. Maybe there is sin or addictions in your life and you think these things have gotten a hold of me and I don't know how to get out of them. Maybe it's a brokenness in a relationship and this time of the year just highlights that of, God, this is not how I thought this relationship would go or this is not what I thought my life would be like, this difficulty that I'm going through. And the beauty of the Christmas story, the beauty of the gospel is that we have a God who walks through the brokenness of our life with us. And you don't have to face that situation alone. And you don't have to try to figure out the answers by yourself. There is a God who loves you and who wants to be near to you. And who wants to direct and guide your life because he cares about you. And if that's you and you would be honest and say, yeah, I need that in my life. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer is simply a confession of God. We've messed up as your people. We've done things our own way instead of following you. This prayer is a declaration of, God, I don't want to live like that anymore. And so I'm asking for you to change me. I'm inviting you into my life. I want a relationship with you. And so I'm going to ask all of us to say this together because we don't want anyone praying alone. And 
If you're worshiping online, would you say this out loud with us? We want everyone to pray this together. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. And I know that I've messed up. I admit that I've sinned. And I need your help in my life. So I'm inviting you into my life. I want a relationship with you. So be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray in your name. Amen. Now church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate? The Bible says this, that if you've been disconnected from God and you prayed that prayer, that all of heaven is rejoicing, all of heaven is celebrating together with you this morning. And I believe this, that God wants a relationship with you. And so I'm so excited for that decision that you've made to connect with God. And I want to do one more thing. We've ended every message in this series this same way of, I just want to speak a blessing over your life. This is what probably would have happened during the time of Jesus when people would have gathered together to worship Yahweh. So I want to invite you, if you would just kind of hold out your hands symbolically to receive this. And even if you're worshiping online, wherever you're at, if you can, just hold out your hands. And this is my blessing for you this holiday season. My blessing is that you would know the God who walks through difficulty with us. You would know the God who is near to us in hard times in our lives. My blessing for you is that your, eye, your eyes, your ears, your heart would be open to see and to listen to God and to take heed to His direction. I bless you that you would be the people of God who would understand His grace in His love. That you would remember His, what He's spoken over you, the words that He said for your identity and that you would hold His promises near to you, that through the difficulty, through the hard times, that you would trust in the goodness of God this holiday season. Church, may you be blessed by a God who loves you this holiday season. Thank you.